She stared in the mirror, willing to turn back time. She sat alone in a big cold room, surrounded by photos and family items, but still feeling empty. Painfully alone, yearning for company, a talk, a touch, even a smile, something to make her feel seen. She gazed down at her hand, looking sorrowfully at the beautiful deep oval sapphire wrapped by 14 glittering diamonds that all sat elegantly on her finger. She smiled thinking of the memories. She could hear his voice coming from the adjoining room. Her smile grew and then she heard him say, yes, I'll be there soon. Her smile shrank. He knocked and opened the door. Standing in the doorway, he apologised he had to leave. Something came up. Shutting the door, he took the light with him. Alone again, she stared back in the mirror. A tear ran down her cheek. She wiped it away, cleared her throat and finished getting ready. Anger brewed. This wasn't going to break her. It wouldn't define her. She would be stronger from this. She was done being alone. This was Diana, Princess of Wales, and this is the good, the bad, and the pure evil. She was born July 1st, 1961, as Diana Frances Spencer. Her father was John Spencer and her mother Frances. The family were very close friends to the royal family in Britain for many generations. Both of her grandmothers served as ladies-in-waiting to Queen Elizabeth, the Queen's mother. Now before Diana was born, her parents hoped for a boy to carry on a name, but she was a girl. So it took them over a week to name her Diana, which was after a far great aunt who was also a prospective Princess of Wales. As a child, Diana was quite Duchess-like, and so would be nicknamed Dutch. She had three living siblings, Sarah, Jane and Charles, with an older sibling John who sadly died just a year before Diana was born. Because of John's death, an heir was strongly wanted. This want would strain the marriage. Diana's mother was even sent for tests in London to determine the problem. Diana's younger brother Charles would later say that this strain would be the root cause of his parents' divorce. Diana would grow up in the Park House, which was located on Sandringham Estate. The family would rent the home from its owner, Queen Elizabeth II. The royals would holiday at Sandringham House, which was near Park House. Diana would often play with Prince Andrew and Prince Edward when they visited. Diana would be seven when her parents divorced. Her mother would go on and marry Peter Shand Kidd in 1969. Diana would live with her mother in London after the split, but at Christmas 1967, her father wouldn't let Diana return to London to her mother. Instead, her father would seek and win custody of Diana in 1968. In 1976, her father married Rain, Countess of Dartmouth. Diana and Rain wouldn't get on and wouldn't have a good relationship. Diana would call Rain a bully and would often give her a push as they went downstairs. Later, Diana would describe her childhood as very unhappy and unstable. In 1975, Diana's father inherited the title Earl Spencer, making Diana from then Lady Diana, and then would move from Park House to Altrop, the Spencer's seat in North Hampshire. Diana was first homeschooled 
By age nine went to Riddlesworth Hall, an all-girl boarding school near Tetford. She would attend West Heath Girls School in 1973. She wasn't very good at school and would fail her O-levels not once but twice. While in school she did show great community spirit and would be awarded for this. Although academically she wasn't great, she was a talented pianist, an excellent swimmer and diver, as well as a great ballet and tap dancer. At 16, she would leave school. She would attend the Institute Alpine Fidimate in Switzerland for a term leaving after Easter 1978. Diana went back to London and would live in her mother's flat with two other friends. She would learn how to cook, although would rarely do it. She took low-paying jobs, including one as a dance instructor for the young kids, until a ski accident had her out of commission for three months. She then was a preschool assistant, a cleaner for her sister and friends, and even was a hostess at parties. She also was a nanny for an American family called Robinsons, who lived in London, then was a nursery teacher assistant at Young England School. Turning 18 in July 1979, her mother bought her a flat where she lived with three others until February 1981. Diana would first meet Prince Charles when she was 16 in 1977. Charles, who was then 29, was seeing Sarah, Diana's older sister. During the summer of 1980, Diana would attend a polo match. Charles was playing in the match and would take great interest in Diana. He would invite her on a royal yacht for the weekend of sailing. She would then be invited to Balmora Castle, the royal's residence, in Scotland to meet the family in November 1980. She delighted those who were there, including the Queen's mother, the Queen herself and the Queen's husband, Prince Philip. Back in London, they would continue to see each other and on February 6, 1981, at Windsor Castle, Charles would propose. She would say yes, but this was kept secret for another two weeks. The engagement would be official on 24th of February 1981. Diana would pick her own engagement ring. She would leave her teacher's assistant job and lived for a time at Clarence House. Then she lived in Buckingham Palace until her wedding. During this time, she felt hugely alone. She would be the first English woman to marry a royal that is first in line to the throne since Anne Hyde over 300 years before. She also would be the first bride to be with a paying job before the engagement. The couple would make their first joint appearance on March 18, 1981 at the Goldsmiths Hall where they met Princess Grace of Monaco. July 29, 1981, the young 20-year-old Diana would marry Prince Charles, making her the Princess of Wales. The spectacular wedding would be held at St Paul's Cathedral. It would be described as fairy tale and was broadcast on TV to 750 million people with 600,000 people lining the streets just to see the stunning couple on their happy day. At the altar, Diana would reverse Prince's name so she'd say Prince Philip Charles rather than Prince Charles Philip and the word obey would be dropped in the vows at the couple's request which caused a stir at the time. Diana wore a stunning wedding gown worth £9,000 or £36,000 today with one of the longest trains in history at 25 feet. From the moment she became Princess of Wales, she was the third highest female in the British Order of Presidents, just after the Queen and Queen's mother. 
The Queen also would offer Diana tokens only for those within the royal circle, such as the Queen Mary's lover's knot tiara and granted her the badge of the royal family order. The now married couple went to live at Kensington Palace and Highgrove House. November 5th, 1981, Diana and Charles would announce to the world that they were expecting. January 1982, Diana, 12 weeks pregnant, would have an accident falling downstairs. Thankfully, the baby was uninjured and Diana would have only some bruising. Diana would later open up about the incident, explaining the overwhelming feeling of being worthless and that she fell down the stairs on purpose. June 21st, 1982, William was born. She, Diana would suffer a low period after the birth, later known as postpartum depression. After William, the couple went to Australia and New Zealand on royal business. Now, Diana didn't feel right taking a small child on such a long trip, but the Australian Prime Minister would insist William to come, so that's what happened, and it received some media backlash. Their second child was born on the 15th of September 1984, a boy that they named Harry. Diana would say her and Charles were at the closest at this time. She gave her all to her children and would give them a more open world than usual for royal children. She barely consulted Charles in decisions regarding their children and that went for the royal family too. Diana would choose the children's names. She would choose a non-royal nanny for the boys. She would choose their clothes, plan their outings, choose their schools and even take them to school herself if possible. She would also have it that her timetable was organised around the boys and not the other way. So five years into the marriage, the couple's differences started to become major issues. Before Diana, Charles had a friend, maybe more, named Camilla Parker Bowles. She was married, so although they were friends, nothing could come from it. And Diana was perfect, fun, loving, charming and beautiful. So Charles married Diana, but kept seeing Camilla secretly although it was more obvious to Diana than secret. Diana would have her own flirts and flings, although this was later when the marriage was dead. Major James Hewitt was one such fling. The media would always speculate Hewitt as Harry's biological father, based on similarities, a redhead. But this was always denied, and Harry was too when Hewitt came on the scene, so I guess anything for a story. Now, they were keeping issues behind closed doors, but in 1987, the doors broke open, bringing the issues into public life, showing an unhappy couple being cold and distant to one another. In 1989, some bright spark thought it was a good idea for Diana to attend her husband's love interest, Camilla's sister's birthday. You still with me? At this, part, at this party, Diana had enough of the whispers and flirting, so she confronted Camilla about the affair. Arthur Andrew Morton would expose the affair in a book titled Diana, Her True Story in May 1992. The book also would go into Diana's suicide thoughts and unhappiness which erupted in the media storm. The affair would also be discussed in re recorded interviews between James Coulthurst and Diana in 1991. These recordings would be Morton's source for his book. So with the issues being seen outside, it was for sure known inside. Damage control began. Queen Elizabeth II and her husband, Prince Philip, called a broken couple for a meeting to try smooth out the cracks, but it was unsuccessful. Philip and Diana had wa a warmer relationship. He shared an understanding for Diana entering the family like he did. 
He writes to her later on, speaking directly and bluntly about the situation. Diana found the letter hurtful, but understood his position on the matter. Tensions came to a boiling point. Both wanted out. In 1992 and 1993, this hatred for one another would become very much public when telephone conversations were leaked. A huge scandal at the time and made both of them look very bad. August 1992, a recording of Diana talking to her friend, James Gilby, was made public. Transcripts would come after in the same month. The article would be known as Squidgygate. Yeah. It was referring to the nickname Gilby gave Diana, Squidge or Squidgy. In the November 1992, Camilla Gate tapes would be released. These were recordings of a, well, romantic nature between Charles and Camilla. Finally, December 1992, in the House of Commons, Prime Minister John Major would announce that the couple were separating. Also during 1992-1993, Diana wanted to improve on her public speaking so she hired voice coach Peter Settling. A videotape from this would have Diana speaking about a love of hers from 1984 to 1986. The person she spoke of said she was deeply in love with. It's believed she was speaking about Barry Mankey, who was her bodyguard, was swapped out to a different job in 1986 when their relationship was becoming too close for some. Diana and friends would always state it was just a great friendship. Diana would also talk about Charles in these tapes, how he made her feel so small, so worthless, and how if she regained composure, he was the very one to knock her back down. Now Diana knew about Camilla, but believed there was others. Tiggy Legbrook was one such other, Charles' personal assistant and the boy's ex-nat. Diana actually believed plans to get rid of her were being made to allow Tiggy to marry Charles. Prince Charles wanted the public on his side, so he did a TV interview with Jonathan Dimbley on 29th June 1994. In this interview, he admitted to his ongoing relationship with Camilla, but insisted he didn't seek her until after his marriage had broken down in 1986. In 1994, Diana would be linked to a string of men, Will Carlin, Theodore Frostman and art dealer Oliver Hoare. Now Oliver would be linked to Diana by the News of the World who claimed Diana and Oliver made 300 phone calls to each other. Oliver was married at the time of the phone calls and at Oliver's obituary it would suggest a relationship but Diana would always deny that this is along with the others. So Charles and Diana were separated but not divorced. But in 1995 Diana sat down with Martha Bashir for a bombshell interview that would torpedo the royal family. In the interview for Panorama, she discussed it all, her husband's affairs, remarking, well, there were three of us in the marriage, so it was a bit crowded. She spoke about her doubt of her husband's suitability for king. She spoke about her depression, her bulimia, self-cutting, and mental health issues. She opened it all up. The interview was open and honest, but was the straw that broke the camel's back. December 20th, Buckingham Palace gave a statement that the Queen had issued letters to both Charles and Diana advising divorce. The Prime Minister would also call for divorce. Soon after, Charles agreed in February 1996. Diana would also agree after much negotiation. Diana would announce her own agreement, which annoyed the Palace. Terms of the agreement were in July 1996, but scandal would continue. 
Diana would accuse Tiggy of being with Charles and aborting a child. Tiggy was fuming and instructed her attorney to get an apology. Patrick Jepson, Diana's private secretary, left the job before this. These Tiggy rumours apparently weren't from Diana, but spread by Martin Bashir to gain more hype about his panorama interview with her. August 28, 1996. The divorce is finalised and Diana would receive £17 million or £32 million in today's money, along with £400,000 a year. They also signed a confidential agreement, not allowing them to speak about the agreement or the marriage. Letters of patents were issued regarding royal titles of the divorce. Diana was to be addressed as the Princess of Wales, no more Her Royal Highness. Being a mother of a prince in line for a king, she was still kept as a member of the royal family with the same perks she had when married. Rumour has it that the Queen wanted Diana to hold on to the Royal Highness after the divorce but Charles wanted it removed. So after the divorce Diana lived in the apartment at Kensington Palace, the one she spent her first year of marriage living in with Charles. She also moved to work here too. She would be given an allowance to run her private office which was here for her charity work and royal duties. But from September 1996 on, she was required to pay her own way. She did keep security from the Metropolitan Police Royalty Protection Group, but in her final years would refuse this as she wanted to separate herself from the royal family. Diana would first date Hatsnot Khan, a heart surgeon. She would claim he was the love of her life and would often say that he was Mr. Wonderful. Khan was a private guy, so the relationship was hush-hush with Diana, denying any involvement. After two years, the relationship ended with a he-said-she-said. Khan claimed Diana ended things, while Diana claimed he ended it, breaking her heart. Paul Beryl was Diana's butler and a close friend. He would say Diana did indeed end it, but added a more personal reason regarding Diana's mother disapproving of her relationship with a Muslim man. A month after Khan, she met Dodie Fade in the south of France while she was on holidays with her son. She would be invited to join the Fayed's family, which she accepted. So August 31st, 1997, this was Diana's last day alive. She would die in a car crash in Pointe de Lama tunnel in Paris. The crash would happen while she and her company were trying to evade the paparazzi. Sadly, Dodie and the driver, Henri Paul, would also die in the crash. A bodyguard, Trevor Reese jones would survive the crash. On September 6, her funeral would be broadcasted on TV with nearly 33 million viewers. Her sudden death sent shockwaves through the world. Many senior figures would pay tribute to such an extraordinary popular royal. People would come far and wide with flowers, candles and cards. These were left inside Kensington Palace on the day of her funeral and for many months after. Charles and her two sisters would take her home from Paris to London. On September 5th, the Queen would take to the TV and give her own personal tribute to the world. September 6th, the funeral would take place in Westminster Abbey. Diana's sons, Prince Charles, Prince Philip, Lord Spencer, and representatives from her charity work walked her procession. 
Her brother would tearfully say she proved in the last year that she needed no royal title to continue to generate her particular brand of magic. Elton John would rewrite Candle in the Wind for his dear friend and perform it at the funeral, the only occasion it's been performed live. The burial was the same day. Diana's ex-husband, her sons, mother, siblings and close friends were there. She wore a black long sleeve dress and held the rosary beads given to her by Mother Teresa. Diana's grave is on an island at Altor Park, the Spencer's family home. Conspiracy theories would fly. Paul Henry was claimed to be high and was recklessly driving causing the crash. Dodie's father, Mohammed, would claim in February 1998 the crash was planned, accusing MI6 and Prince Philip of it. London 2004 and 2007 to 2008, an inquest would blame Paul's driving and the paparazzi harassment, forcing Paul to speed in the tunnel. A jury would return a verdict of unlawful killing on, September, on April 7, 2008. Dodie's father would later drop his murder accusations for the sake of Diana's children. Diana to this day is one of the most popular members of the royal family and continues to influence people. From the day of her engagement, she was a major presence in the world stage, often described as the world's most photographed woman. She was noted for her compassion, style, charisma and high-profile charity work. Her aides would describe her as organised and hard-working and would suggest Charles's problem was how extraordinarily popular she was. In her early years, Diana would be seen as shy, but also smart, shrewd and funny. She was widely known for her encounters with the sick and dying, the poor, the unwanted, and how she would comfort them all. She always wanted to be queen of people's heart. But she also was a lonely soul, who only ever wanted to be loved by Charles. The maternal affairs, mental health issues and bulimia all made her even more honest and relatable. She's highly regarded by the LGBT for her work with gay men suffering from AIDS and will be seen as a gay icon. She became the people's princess. Despite being loved so much, she was also subjected to criticism. She would be accused as reckless and damaging to the monarchy. Her charity work with people seriously ill or diseased would also gather negative media attention. She would have a love-hate relationship with the press. She knew the benefit of them and would use them to her advantage. But once she let them in, they completely intruded on her personal life, giving her no privacy. Her brother would capture her beautifully by saying Diana was the very essence of compassion, of duty, of style, of beauty. All over the world, she was a symbol of selfless humanity. All over the world, a standard bearer for the rights of the truly downtrodden, a very British girl who transcended nationally. Someone with a natural nobility who was also classless and would prove in the last year that she needed no royal title to continue to generate her particular brand of magic. Thanks for listening. Next time I'll be looking into the White Island volcano eruption. Until then, this was the good, the bad and the pure evil.